Hi everyone, it's Lockie here. Welcome to the traditional checkered flag chat Bathurst 1000 preview podcast. The form guide has been thrown wide open this year with the introduction of the Gen 3 cars, the rise of Erebus as a genuine title contender, the addition of a couple of new teams to the winner's circle, and struggles from some of the established players, especially those in the Ford camp. There have also been a few significant changes to the rules around strategy, so no one is quite sure just how this year's great race is going to play out. But we'll do our very best to give you our informed predictions. So let's get into it. The 2023 Bathurst 1000 preview here on Checkered Flag Chat. So as is tradition for the Check and Flag Chat podcast, I've got my good mate and sports journalist Shane Jones alongside me to preview all of the action for the Bathurst 1000. So much has happened this year. Introduction of Gen 3 cars, the rise of Erebus as genuine championship contenders, the well-publicised Ford struggles and parity issues that we've had right throughout the year, some new teams joining the winner's circle in the form of Team 18 and Matt Stone Racing. So with all of that in mind, it's so hard to predict how this year's Bathurst is going to roll. But for the first time since 2018, remembering that uh, in 2019 it was held after Bathurst, at least we've got the Sandown 500 to give us a bit of a form guide as to who sits where in the pecking order for the endurance races. Well, first things first, hello. Um, nice to be on the podcast once again. Uh, yeah, it's nice to see that we've got a bit of a form guide, but I guess it's probably hard to actually use that as a form guide. Um, some teams are going to be stronger at Sandown than what they might be at Bathurst, so you can use that as a as a little bit of a as a of a form guide. But you still probably need to look elsewhere and look outside the box a little bit to find out who's the ones that are in form or might not be in form, or or the combinations that could really shine up at the mountain. Yeah, and I think if you go back through history, people that have gone well or gone badly at Sandown, that form hasn't necessarily always translated to Bathurst. One of the other interesting things this year is that for the first time since 2012, there won't be any compulsory pit stops for the Bathurst 1000, so they've been abolished, and it's going to be up to the teams as how they manage stink lengths, refueling and tyres to complete the race in, in the shortest possible amount of time. There are still rules about minimum and maximum number of laps. No one driver is allowed to do more than 107 laps in the car, which if you work backwards, that means 54 laps is the minimum for the other driver. Uh, but what we saw at Sandown is that while there were no compulsory pit stops uh, and while the fuel economy and the fuel range of the Gen 3 cars is a bit better than the older cars, that was pretty much entirely offset by the tyre degradation, which has been a lot higher. And at Bathurst, they're going to be on the soft tyres as opposed to the super softs that they're on for Sandown. But you would still expect tyre degradation to, to play a factor in determining how far you can go in a stint. Well, I think there's two factors here. So the first one is, yeah, tyre deck is going to be quite important um, throughout the race, not only just for, for Ford or Camaro, but for, for everyone. But there's also another point. In Bathurst, you usually have more than enough sets of tyres to get home. So you usually have two or three or maybe even four sets of tyres more than what you'd have to get through the race. Whereas at Sandown, we didn't have that luxury. So teams only had a certain amount of sets of tyres that they could use for the race. And the problem was that to go on on an alternative strategy, 
they had to use another set of tyres, which they didn't have. So we kind of saw at Sandown, it was a bit of a, a one-pace strategy where everyone was just trying to look after their tyres, get to the stops, get through to where they needed to go, and then from there, <clears throat> excuse me, attack um, the final 30 laps. I don't think we'll see that at Bathurst. I think you might see a couple of teams do a bit of an of a strategy that's completely different. I mean, we saw in 2014 when Chas Mostert won, they just kept on pitting pretty much every time there was a safety car. I think they ended up doing 11 stops and ended up winning the race. But their their method of, of, of thinking was, we'll just bring him in every single time, fuel him up, fuel him up, fuel him up. And then they'll get to a point where all the cards fall into our place. We've got him up front. We then just reverse the strategy and get him home. And it worked to an absolute charm. And I reckon a couple of four teams might look at that as an option this year, given the parity issues and given we know that the Camaro is going to be a little bit better than the, the Ford in, in a lot of different areas this year. So it might be a, an avenue for the Fords to go down to try and, I guess, provide an alternative strategy and give them a realistic shot at winning. The other thing as well, so we talked about the, the increased fuel range with these Gen 3 cars. So the magic number is 27 because if you can get 27 laps out of a stint whether that's dictated by fuel or tires it means that you can clear your co-driver's minimum number of laps in two stints whereas if you can't get to 27 it means that the co-driver's potentially going to have to do an extra stint in the car which uh, might be a disadvantage if they're significantly slower than your primary driver well, there's a few things with with that. So, yeah, obviously, um, you want to get your co-driver in and out as quickly as possible. But for some combinations, and we'll get to them, their co-driver's just as good as their main driver. So I don't think it would be an issue for them if they had their driver in for that for a little bit longer. Um, the other factor as well is um, we didn't see it at Sandown as much, but we did see it during practice and, and during practice where teams were doing break brake changes during the, the practice sessions and were struggling with them. They were losing huge amounts of time making mistakes trying to get the, the brake caliber off and then put it back on and then trying to sort that out. So that's going to be a huge issue here in Bathurst, here at Bathurst because you've got to make a brake change. So it might be in your best interest to, um, to put the co-driver in at a certain time so then that way you have a compulsory driver change at the time that you do your compulsory brake um, change. So... That's going to be another factor. The other factor as well, um, and we saw that last year, is everyone started pretty much with their co-driver, and we saw in the first 10 laps last year there was utter carnage with a lot of contenders eliminated within the first 10 laps. Now, whether we've learned that lesson or not and whether we're going to have the same situation arise, well, that's going to be a, a situation that unfolds later in the weekend. But there are going to be teams that are going to question mark that decision. Do you put the co-driver in? Or do you trust your main game driver to do the first 20-odd laps, calm everyone down, sort out everything, put yourself into a position, and then unleash your co-driver so that he or she can go off and do what they need to do? So that's going to be another decision in in the factoring of of what teams do with strategy. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of main drivers will start the race this year. So I expect that a typical strategy, not saying that all of the teams will do this, but um, one... Uh, quite logical strategy would be to start with your primary driver uh, co-driver gets in at the first pit stop does a double stint gets their 54 laps out of the way main driver then gets back in and runs through to the checkered flag and I think we might see quite a lot of teams go for that strategy I guess the other factor in that as well is heat I mean last year we had a mild race um, 
we're recording this podcast in Victoria right now, and it's getting pretty warm. It's almost in the 30s um, in terms of temperatures. You've got the similar situation potentially in Bathurst the following week um, when, when it's on. So, like, in relation to that, it could be it could be a situation where you probably don't want to put your, your main driver in for three stints at the end because it might leave him fatigued right at the end. So you might have to do that situation where um, you sort of um, balance it a bit between so that way everyone can sort of get to the end, but you're not fatiguing your main game driver to do what he needs to do at the end. Yeah, I mean, it's always dangerous trying to predict the weather conditions for Bathurst, but just to, to sort of make a general observation, because we're into this El Nino weather pattern now rather than La Nina, which we had last year, I don't think we're going to get the torrential rain that caused us to lose the top 10 shootout altogether last year, and I've probably been leaning towards predictions of a dry-ish weekend. Like I said, Mount Panorama, Bathurst, you just never know, but that would be my expectation for this year. Uh, Before we get into our car-by-car analysis, uh, Scott McLaughlin and Roland Dane have both come out quite recently and said that they wouldn't like it to go back to how it was in 2009 and before that, where teams were allowed to pair their primary drivers in the same car if they wanted to. Now, you and I have had a bit of a heated discussion about this. You reckon the rules should stay as they are at the moment, where uh, primary drivers are not allowed to team up. I wouldn't mind them seeing seeing them go back to the the old rules where you could put your primary drivers together. Thoughts? Oh, there's so many other issues that supercars are going to deal with right now rather than whether we, we revert back to this old rule. I think the biggest thing is if we look at it right now, if we look at the, the championship, this, so there's four championship contenders right now. So if we were to do that rule, you would see Shane Van Gisberg and Brock Feeney team up. Not necessarily. Well, the reality is you would, you would either put them two together or you would split them apart and leave Erebus to put their best two together. I... I I think if you're going to go in terms of that, you can't make you can't make it a decision for um, for the teams to make. I think you've got to go either one way or the other way. So you either go, you put your, your two main game drivers together, hire two co-drivers, and vice versa. If we stay by the current rules, we stay by the current rules. I don't think you do the situation where you leave it up to teams and they go, oh, well, we'll put it up, we'll put it as... We'll, we'll leave it as the, the the two main game drivers in their cars, and then we'll get a co-driver. Or for some, they'll go, oh, we'll put our two main main drivers. The thing for me is, in the in the years that that happened, there were there were con- you basically eliminated probably five or six contenders by putting your, your main two together. So fantastic! I have no issues with putting your two main drivers together. But if you if you look at this year and you look at previous years um, since the rules been put in. We have 10 to 15 combinations that can legitimately go on and win this race. Yeah, but the counter-argument to that is that while we might have more combinations, I'd say that we have less teams that have got a chance. So the thing about allowing teams to pair up their primary drivers is that if you had a couple of the big players who fell into trouble and got eliminated, it actually produced a chance for some of the the midfield runners to have a chance at a big result. And we saw that in 2005 when Tasman Motorsport with Jason Richards and Jamie Wincup got on the podium in both of the endurance races. In the sprint races, they didn't really have a chance, but come the endurance races, that was their opportunity to shine. So it does actually give some of the teams that wouldn't normally run at the front a chance to shine if, if you allow them to pair their primary drivers. 
The other thing that I would say is that double stacking has become a far, far more significant issue since the rules that dictate that you have to split your primary drivers um, because previously it didn't really matter. If you had your two primary drivers together and your two part-timers in the second car had to double stack, not a big deal. Whereas now, it's obviously become a, uh, a much greater challenge for the teams to have to manage. Well, the funny part is you've just defeated your own argument because the winner of that race was Mark Scaife and Todd Kelly. So in other words, a power team puts their power two drivers together and they go on and win the race. And if you but, look but what at... what I'm saying Hang on, hang on, hang on, yeah. let me finish, please. <laughs> and then on top of that, you've got the situation where the people that are asking for this are not your Brad Jones Racings, your MSRs, your... Your Blanchard Racings. Guess who's saying this? Triple A yep. and DJR, or a driver formerly of DJR. As in, the top teams want to put their main drivers together because it puts their chips in and puts them all into the situation where they can go on and win the race. Whereas if you split the situation, so at the moment you've got Triple Eight and, and Erebus, and we'll get to obviously them as being probably the favourites for this race. You've got them as with two legitimate combinations that can go on and win the race, which is great. But, as you rightfully mentioned, it leaves the issues with double stacking, creates potential headaches for them. So, in, in essence, yes, they've got two combinations to win the race, but they've also got the situation where, at one point in the day, they're going to have to go, okay, we put all our chips in this basket or we put all our chips in the other basket. So, I noticed that the people that are trying to put this rule back in are the people that are at the top. And to me, I like it the way it is. I think it, it provides more opportunities for for other other um, teams to go in. And, and I mean, you mentioned you're right. BJR would be far stronger if you had Andre Heimgartner and Bryce Fullwood put together, and then obviously Dale Wood and um, Dean Fiore were, were together in the co-driver's seat. But I'd still argue that on their day, Andre Heimgartner and Dale Wood could probably end up winning the race. And the other factor as well is you've got the situation where um, Bryce Ford and, and um, Dean Fiore can put in a good result. It really doesn't it doesn't change much in the last 30 laps anyway. You're still going to get your main game drivers in there in this situation. So do you really want to deprive 15 drivers of having a crack at the end because they're a co-driver to the other driver? No, you want 20 drivers who are all the main game drivers in their cars with 15 laps to go in a potential way of winning the race. So, to me, I just think you just leave it the way it is. And, and, and as I said right at the start of this argument, there are far bigger issues with supercars going on right now than whether we change this rule. And to be, to be honest, if you look at the last 10 years, we've had some cracking races. And 10 years before that, we had some cracking races with, this, with the other rule in place doesn't change anything. Well, if you've got an opinion on this topic, make sure that you comment on the Checkered Flag channel, social media channels, and let us know your point of view. We'll uh, get into our car-by-car -car analysis now, and as tradition would dictate, we'll go through in car number order. Before we started this podcast, Jonesy and I each went through and ranked from 1 down to 28, where we think each of these combinations will finish. So we'll start off with car number two for Walkinshaw, Andretti United, Nick Perkett and Fabian Coulthard. 
Nick Perkat, a former Bathurst winner in 2011. Fabian Coulthard's been on the podium a couple of times as well, most recently last year with Chaz Mostert. Uh, however, it's been a, another pretty tough season for Nick in terms of the championship. He's currently 22nd on the points table. In terms of where I have this combination ranks, I've got them in position 21, um, just because they've struggled this year. And uh, at Sandown in particular, both the Walkinshaw and Drew United cars had a shocker. Uh, I've got them 20, so <laughs> we're pretty much aligned um, with with uh, where, we, where, where we think they are. Um, it's a hard one because the combination's great. If you look at them on paper, you go Nick Perkat, multiple race winner, Fabian Coulthard finished second last year. Like they're a combination that could do really well. But the biggest issue that they have is going to be can the car deliver them a really good result? That's a question mark. Can can it, what's going to happen to the Ford up there when we get up there in terms of parity? That's another question mark. And Nick's form this year has just been. Not great, to be really honest, and um, he's probably... Uh, it's great that he's still in the category for next year with MSR, but you also sit there and go, he could have easily been on the outer and, and they could have found someone else to, to give to, to get to get that seat. So um, there's a lot of pressure on Nick to probably do a, a really good result up at Bathurst just to probably confirm to himself that he can still race, he can still do all this, all, all the stuff and, and everything else in between. And and you don't lose your talent. You, you don't lose You don't lose what you can do. Um, the issue here clearly is the mentality. He's not in the right headspace right now to go off and, and do what they need to do because of the environment that's he, that he's in. So you just hope that they can switch that around at Bathurst, but I just can't see it happening. And there's far more combinations in terms of the car package that are, that are better than them. And yeah, they run into issues at Sandown, and unfortunately, I think they, they're probably going to run into issues again at Bathurst. Yeah, it's a tough verdict, but probably a fair one based on the performance so far this year. Car number three for Cool Drive Racing, Todd Hazelwood. He'll be teaming up with the team owner there, Tim Blanchard. It's been a rather mediocre season for Hazelwood. He's currently 20th in the championship, and he's a driver who is fighting for his career at the moment. He formed with the reports of to be believed he's on the outer at Cool Drive Racing for 2024. Yeah, well, this is this is the biggest Bathurst of his career. If he puts in a good performance here, you just never know that he might be able to stay at um, Blanchard Racing for next year. But he also might be able to pick up a, a decent co-driver spot if if the other um, opportunity at Blanchard falls through. Um, yeah, I had them. Uh, you didn't mention your position that you had them for this race. Oh, I'm waiting for you to go first. Oh, you waiting for me to go first? Okay, uh, I had them 25th. Um, oh well, I've got them twenty second, so right. not far apart. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much um, wow. around the same spot. <laughs> um, yeah, they. Were, what really impressed me at Sandown was they were quick, um, and that that's not been an issue for the Ford at all this year. They've been quick. The Fords have been quick when they need to be quick, and they, they can do great stuff over one lap pace. Um, but Todd just struggled in the in the last half of the race, and they fell from what was going to be a top ten finish. When Blanchard was in the car and they ended up finishing in 17th at the Sandown 500, I, I just, I just can't see this combination doing well. Just mainly because of the package of the of the car and them adding a second car as well. And we'll get to that in just a second. I just think that that hurts this combination from potentially doing a really good result. Yes, they've been quicker. Bathurst before Tim Slade was fourth, um, and the first. I think it was the first ever race of Blanchard Racing, and well, he was, was fourth, and then he had the unfortunate crash. But um, they were quick then, but I just can't see how they can replicate that. And as I, as I said with um, Nick and 
and Fabian. I think there's just too many other combinations that have probably got better car packages that will probably do a better job. Yeah, running as a one-car team for most of the year has hurt them with the development of the Gen 3 package as well because they haven't had access to the the data to, to tap into from that second car. So, uh, yeah, I expect it to be a pretty tough day at the mountain. Uh, as I do for the next car on the list, car number four for Brad Jones Racing, Jack Smith and Jackson Evans. We haven't really seen much of an improvement for Jack Smith year on year. He's currently 23rd in the championship. In terms of where I've got this combination ranked, I've actually got them in 28th. So last. Last, yep. They're, they're my bottom-ranked combination. Uh, I've got them 23rd. Okay. Um, but I, I, over the probably the last five or six combinations for me, you can probably put a blanket on them, to be really honest. Um, Jack Smith's form guide for Bathurst is this. DNF, 17th, DNF, DNF. So it's been a tough place for, for Jack, and um, I can't see this being any easier. I think they're going to really struggle. Um, look, at the end of the day, if they can just circulate, do what they need to do, stay on the, the, the lead lap, you can do that with the Lucky Dog system. Um, you never know. There could be a top 15 finish in sight. But given that they haven't finished um, the Bathurst 1000 in, in two years, um, yeah, it's going to be very hard to see them pulling off a good result. I'm looking forward to seeing what Jackson Evans does. He's obviously a very talented driver, as demonstrated by his performances in international Porsche racing. So I'll be interested to see how he goes in the co-driver since. But as an overall combination, I think we're both pretty much in agreement on that one. They're, they're certainly not going to threaten at the top of the order. Uh, car number five, first of the tick for racing Mustangs for James Courtney and Zach Best. Uh, James Courtney, one of the most experienced drivers in the race, and he's been on the podium at multiple times at Bathurst as well. Uh, Zach Best was super unlucky last year getting caught up in that first lap contretemps on Mountain Straight and he and Thomas Randall were actually the, the race's first retirement crashing out uh, pretty much only a few hundred metres after the start. Uh, for James Courtney, it's been an up and down season. He's actually finished on the podium uh, earlier this year but it's been an inconsistent year. The uh, the crash in the top 10 shootout at Newcastle didn't help. He, his car was on fire at the, the Grand Prix as well. How do we rate this combination, Jonesy? Uh, I have James Courtney in 21st. Okay, I've got the 9th. Uh, so my <laughs> so we finally got a one that's a little yeah. bit, bit different. Um, my biggest concern with, with this is... is is Zach Best, and it's not anything to do with his driving talent or or him. But at Sandown, he said, and he was he was discussing this. It was either in the in the broadcast or um, he mentioned it to someone. But basically, he said that when he went from the Super Two car to the Gen Three car, he really struggled because when he had the Super Two car, he had all this aero. He had all basically he had the quickest car on the on the grid. In the Super 2 um, field and then literally jumped in the Gen 3 car had no aero, the car's slower it's harder for him to pull the, the, the full um, power of what he needed out of the car so that's a big concern heading into Bathurst because Bathurst you're going to you can't, like stand and you can make mistakes you can make a couple of mistakes you can put it in into turn 1 you can pretty much get out you can put it into turn 6 you can pretty much get out Bathurst, you don't have that luxury. If you make a mistake, more than likely you're gone for the day. And when you're saying, when when the driver's saying that I'm struggling to 
understand or get my head around going from one car to the other car, that raises some big concerns. So that's one of the reasons why I've got them so low because I just don't know how Zach's going to handle the conditions. If he handles it really well, they sort they sort his 54 laps out and James gets back in the car, well then, great. But if they don't, well, it could be a really long day. And if you look at previous years with with James, um, last year with Zane Goddard, there was issues there. They didn't finish the race. And then the year before with um, Thomas Randall, Thomas Randall made a mistake early. And they were fighting all day to get back, and I think they end up. They still got back into the top. Exactly, 10. but so, that was that was yeah. the lucky dog helping mm, them out immensely correct. that day. But if you put yourself so far behind, you're never going to catch back up. A catch yes. up, and that's what I think is going to be the issue. That's true, and I, I do agree to some extent with your concerns about Zach Best, and quite frankly, the the comments that he made about adapting from the Super Two car to the the main game Gen Three car. If he's got aspirations to be a full-time supercars driver, which we know that he does, that's not really an excuse because Jack Perkins was able to adapt between the two cars without any issue. He was yeah, but, pretty fast as but, far as the co-drivers. But Jack Perkins has a decade of experience on top of what Zach does, with all due respect. So, yeah. look, I, I agree. It's, 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 it's definitely not an excuse, but it is a factor. Mm. And there's only a couple of drivers that are going from... Super Two into the main game to drive, um, sorry, into the into the Bathurst One Thousand to drive as a co-driver. So Zach's one of them. He's going to have to overcome that issue. So the reason I've got them ranked ninth is because when you look at James Courtney's form at Bathurst, uh, even if he's been having a tough season for the rest of the year, he always does seem to be capable of lifting at Bathurst. We we saw him finishing on the podium for Walkinshaw in one of the years that they had a pretty tough year and. Earlier in his career, he had some good results as well with Stone Brothers at Bathurst. So that's the reason that I've got them finishing inside the top 10. Um, so in car number six, which is the next of the tick for racing Mustangs, Cameron Waters and James Moffat, they've been on the podium. Uh, well, Cameron Waters has the last three years in a row of which James Moffat was alongside him for two out of those three years. Uh, so... He must be getting pretty frustrated, Cam, at finishing on the podium, but never on the top step. It's been a pretty unlucky season for him, as has been well documented, particularly with that fire in Darwin and various other problems that have struck him and his car while he's been in a competitive position. And obviously with the the well-documented parity issues with the Fords, we know that they are making some more adjustments with these um, these new panels that they're putting on the Fords for Bathurst to try and improve their centre of gravity. Uh, I've got them ranked in sixth. Uh, one below for me, seventh. Okay. Um, it's hard because I would have them top three, genuine contender, and right on the hunt if we knew more about what the Ford's going to provide when we get to the mountain. If if the Ford's going to deliver what it has for the, for the season so far, well then we know that this combination and as long as as well as a few other Ford combinations are going to struggle at the mountain, and that's that's just the reality, unfortunately. So you could have the best combination at your disposal, but if the car's not going to deliver what it needs to deliver, then it's going to be tough. And I think that's just what's going to be lacking for these guys. These guys are going to be right in the hunt, but they're going to have to have the car package to help them out to get them to the top, and that's going to be their Achilles heel. So um, you just hope that the Ford can be far more competitive at Bathurst to give them a, a fighting chance. 
But if if it isn't, well, then they're going to have to go on an alternative strategy to um, mm. to try and win this race. And when you try and do that, and you're already conceding, excuse me, that the, the that that's going to be what we need to do, you're already playing a little bit behind the eight ball, and that's going to be hard for them. I think James Moffat's an underrated co-driver. He's been very good the last couple of years with Cam Waters and. This year, he's been keeping himself race fit in the Trans Am series where he's currently leading the points. Um, but just the bad luck, like the fire, obviously, in Darwin. But then at Sandown, like, of all things, to have a, an errant wheel for another car land on your rear wing, I mean, how? Um, that's freakishly bad luck for something like that to happen. Well, the issue... So, we would have got a we would have gotten a really good gauge of how competitive the Ford was if we literally had... Garth Tander, David Reynolds, Cameron Waters, James Moffat, and Chaz and uh, Chaz and Lee Holdsworth all racing towards the end and and showing what they can do. But within the space of five laps, all three were genuine. All three were eliminated from the from the race. So while some four teams did really really well, and we'll get to get to them in, in just a few moments, we really didn't get a gauge of how competitive the Ford was because the three top teams were all eliminated in the space of five laps. So yeah. We head to Bathurst with an unknown because they could they could all genuinely be competitive. We just don't know. But the unfortunate part is, through the form guy for the season, we pretty much know that they're probably not going to be. And that's going to be the, the challenge for all of them. We would all have them higher in our rankings if we knew that the Ford package would be better. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. So another one of the Fords is car number seven, which is the first of our wildcard entries, the second of the Cool Drive Racing entries, to be shared by Jake Pistecki and Aaron Love. Love is on debut at the Bathurst 1000 this year, but we've seen impressive performances from him at the Mountain in Carrera Cup in the past. Jake Pistecki is lining up for his fifth Bathurst 1000 start this year. Uh, when did you have these guys ranked, Jonesy? Uh, unfortunately, 28th. Yeah, I've got them 27th. So when you look at Sandown, if you take away the non-finishers and Thomas Randall and Gary Jacobson, who had a, I think it was a steering issue. Um, yeah. Jake Isdecki and Aaron Love were the last of the finishers. So it, it's going to be a tough Bathurst for these guys. Um, they're obviously the second Blanchard car and Blanchard's struggled with one entry this year. So putting the two entries is going to be hard to, to see how they go. And then you've obviously got the factor of Aaron Love being in his first Bathurst 1000. He's a young star on the rise, but um, it's a big initiation for him this year. And um, yeah, I just can't see this combination doing, well, not doing well, but just getting to a position where they can fight for A, a top 10 finish, or B, maybe even a top 15 finish. If they circulate, do what they need to do and just finish, I think that's going to be the, the tick in the box, tick, tick of the box for them. Just making it to the chicken flag, I agree. Uh, Brad Jones racing car number eight, Andre Heimgartner and Dale Wood. They were an early retirement from last year's race after Dale Wood got taken out in that accident at the chase with Zane Goddard. But Andre Heimgartner is having a good season this year. Six podium finishes he's had. He's currently inside the top five in the championship and um, with his car and also to, to a, a fair extent the Bryce Forward car, BJR have done a pretty good job with developing these new Gen 3 cars and I have Heimgartner and Wood ranked fifth. I have them eighth. Okay. Yep. Um, if you want the most anonymous, fantastic, um, uninspired fifth position at Sandown, these... 
these guys were it. Um, but I didn't that, grab any attention all day, and then at the end of the race, they like, were in the yeah, top five. Yeah, no one, no one gave two cahoots about them all day, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, they were top five and, and, and did a really good job. And, and sometimes... That's the way you want to do it. Sometimes you don't want to grab any attention, just finish inside the top five and have a good day. I and mean, sometimes at Bathurst, if you have a day like that, because it's a longer race, that's good enough to be on the podium. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So if they can do that again, you just never know what could happen. And Heimgartner in the last 30 laps, if he's got a car underneath him, he could do some real damage and really, really win the race. So um, this combination, yeah, th- th- there's two factors here. The BJR factor at the mountain, they just genuinely struggle to to get decent results they either have a really quick car and then struggle in the race or they just struggle completely throughout the the weekend so that's going to be one of the factors and the other the other factor as well is dale woods um he he can be a little bit unlucky at at, at the best of times they obviously got through that race at sandown okay but last year he had that unfortunate incident and then a couple of sandowns ago as well he had another unfortunate incident so um He's a talented driver, Dale Wood, but I just you just hope that um, yeah the, the 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 bad luck and the and the and the situations with him can sort of disappear for this race. And if he can do his fifty four laps, get Andre back in the car, and the car's competitive, yeah, that there's no doubt that this combination could easily be inside the top five. But I've just got them just outside. One of the teams <laughs> that has been a massive improver, and, and to the point where you'd have to say it's now the form team in the championship, Erebus Motorsport, the first of. Their cars on our list is the number nine Coca-Cola Camaro with Will Brown and Jack Perkins sharing the driving duties. Will Brown off to Triple Eight next year to replace the US-bound Shane Van Gisbergen. But uh, this is uh, one of the cars that's definitely one of the contenders. Um, I've got them ranked in fourth position on my list. Um, Probably the, the main thing for me with this one is that while Will Brown's been very fast and he's obviously had some sprint race wins so far this year, his form in the endurance races hasn't been anything to write home about. In fact, at Bathurst, he's only had the one top 10 finish from five starts. Yeah, I've got them, I've got them third, um, pretty much fighting for a podium. I, I think this... I, Jack Perk... In terms of Jack Perkins, this is his best opportunity that he's ever going to have to win win Bathurst this year. But there's two concerns that I have with this combination. The first one is double stacking, because obviously, and we'll get to Brody Kostecki a little bit later. But you've obviously got Brody Kostecki in the other, in the other, um, and the other side of the of the team, uh, team fence. So who gets on top on that? It's going to dictate whoever gets in the in the better position to go on and win the race. The other factor as well is if you've got. 30, 40, 50 laps to go, and both cars are in with a legitimate shot at winning Bathurst. There's one <laughs> driver that's in with a better content, better situation to win the title than the other. You're probably going to lean towards that other one, which is Brody Kostecki. But conversely to that, does Brody Kostecki drive a bit more conservatively, knowing that he has to make sure that he protects his championship position? And is Will Brown maybe prepared to take a few more risks if it comes down to it in that last stint? Probably not. I think <laughs> I think Bro- I think Brody will will try and win. I, I think. And with the double stacking thing as well, ironically at Sandown, it was actually the Kostecki Russell car that that uh, yeah got and, compromised. And if that. you and if you look at the performance of the car of of, mm. of Will Brown and Brody Kostecki in the last eighty laps, 
Will progressively fell down the pecking order, whereas Brody got progressively faster and faster and faster. Yep. So the tuning of the car clearly went to one side of the paddock over the other side, and Brody was probably unlucky not to win the Sandown 500. I think the conservative factor came a little bit into play there. And, and had he not had to double stack, they, they would have probably, though, probably yeah. won the race. Yep. So, yep. and that's going to be the key. But in, in in Sandown, it's harder to claim back time because there's not as many safety cars, whereas Bathurst, we're probably going to have between six to ten safety cars. So there's going to be an opportunity for you to claim back that situation. You can you can obviously put alternative strategies on the table. So there's probably going to be better ways for Brody to get back that time if he does fall behind Will Brown. But, yeah, I just think the other combination's far better, but Will certainly will be up there, and, um, yeah, you'd expect... Him and, and Jack to be really competitive, and they can absolutely win the race. But I just think there's two combinations for me that are just that little bit better. So from one team that has absolutely grasped Gen Three with both hands and made big strides forward, we move to a team that has gone in the other direction, and that is DJR with the first of their Mustangs, car number eleven, Anton De Pasquale and Tony Dalberho. So for Deep Squally, really, really tough initiation to the, the Gen 3 program. And for, for much of the first half of the season, he was languishing well down the, the championship order, only just inside the top 20. In recent rounds, he's worked his way back up, but he's still not in the top 10 in the championship. He's currently sitting 11th in the points after Sandown. They are starting to find a bit of consistency in that outfit, but... The other concern for me here is that even in the years where they've been fast throughout the rest of the championship, in recent times, Dejar have not been overly strong at Mount Panorama. So that's a bit of a worry for me as well. I do have them inside the top 10 just uh, in 10th position. Uh, I don't. I don't okay. have them in the, I don't have either of them in the top 10, so there's a bit of a spoiler for the next one. Um, I have Anton and Tony 15th. Yeah, wow. Um, okay. It comes back to your point. DJR in the last few years at Bathurst have just not been competitive. Since Scott's left that team, they have just struggled at the mountain. And Anton's results in particular, so last year was his best ever result in seventh. And before that, it was DNF, ninth, DNF, and 24th. So when he comes to the mountain, he's traditionally struggled. And nine times out of ten, he's actually gone on to finish the race. So oh, I I just can't see them doing well up at the mountain. I just think all the factors of the Ford not being competitive, DJR not getting to grips with the Ford as best as the other teams. Um, I felt that they did really well at Sandown because they qualified awfully at Sandown, but over the day they were able to work the car and tune the car up to, to be competitive in, and inside the top 10. But when the safety car came with a few laps to go and they had an opportunity to, to attack to get a bit higher... They just didn't have any pace. They just had no pace to compete against the rest. So they were literally just beating the teams that they probably should be beating and just being the best of the rest. And that's not what DJR is all about. They want to be higher than that. They want to be better than that. But I just can't see them doing it this year. And I just I just see these, these, these guys struggling this year, which is really sad. You, DJR at the mountain is, is something you always want to look at and, be, and, and you want them to be strong. But I just can't fathom them being strong this year. Yeah, which is not a, uh, a great prediction when you consider that they're the team that have been responsible for homologating the Mustang Gen 3 car. Uh, in the next of our Brad Jones racing cars, Bryce Forward and Dean Fiore. And it's been a definitely a better season for Bryce Forward this year, the best season that he's had so far 
in the Supercars Championship, currently inside the top 10, uh, and strung together a few quite impressive performances. Uh, yet to actually stand on the podium this year, but he's been consistently there or thereabouts inside the top 10 in a lot of races. Uh, however, given the strength of some of the other combinations on the mountain, and probably for me a few question marks over Dean Fiore as well, who hasn't done a lot of full-time racing in recent times, but they weren't in the top 10 at Sandown, they were back in 14th and uh, for Bathurst. Um, I'll let you give your ranking for this combination, then I'll tell you where I've ranked them. Well, I've probably got them a little bit higher than you because I really rate this combination, but ninth. Okay, so I had them 13th. Yeah. So so the last two Bathurst 1000s for um, Bryce Ford has been 5th and ninth, And you'd argue that he has a better car at his disposal this year compared to the last two years where he was the second Walkinshaw in 2021 and obviously the second BJR in 2022. Um, the issue that they're going to have this year is probably the double stacking with Andre and Dale Wood because last year when that combination got eliminated, well, Bryce and Dean had a free reign to do whatever they wanted uh, in terms of strategy. So that really helped them. But I felt that they were really impressive last year. And yes, Dean Fiore not having much race experience this year is probably a worry, but I feel that when he gets to the mountain, um, a lot of that comes back to him and I think he's still going to be okay um, if you want someone to be a potential smoky like a really big smoky this is your combination if Bathurst provides some absolutely crazy shenanigans and we get a really really random result this combination could absolutely provide that randomness so they're the dark horse for you I wouldn't say they're the dark horse I'd say so so dark horses are probably more combinations that you think that they can win but the reality is they probably can't this combinations like if we have like what we did last year where half the combinations are in trouble after lap one and then different things happen throughout the day and, and the car's put into a random random spot to win as in like greg Ritter and david bernard gary rogers motorsport a few years ago that's probably this combination mm. um all right, second of our DJR cars, Will Davison and Alex Davison, the brothers teaming up once again. Up until last year, Alex Davison had seven cons- uh, 17 consecutive finishes. That record was finally broken last year when they got a, a DNF uh, with a crash and, and a few other issues throughout the day. Uh, however, the, the comments that I made about DJR with Anton De Pasquale and Tony Dalberho apply equally to this car um yeah will davison probably has got on a bit better with the, the gen 3 car compared to deeper squalling um but they just i don't know they, they just I, I don't see them as having the pace this year and um i've ranked them 12th yeah i've got them 18th oh wow so even further down yeah, yeah. i just I, as i said with djr i just think they're going to struggle um unfortunately mm. i just don't see them doing well at bathurst i i hand on hand on um hand on heart i hope they they prove me wrong and i hope they do really well but um unfortunately um just the way that the fords are going this year and the fact that there's a few camaro teams that are probably going to be having a better package at their disposal this year i just see it's going to be a really big struggle for them to to do anything this year and um, thank heavens 
that Alex Davison winning, uh, not winning streak, but finishing streak ended last year. Not in terms of it being ended, because obviously that was sad for, for Will and um, Alex to not finish the race, but it meant that no one else could finally bring it back up every single year going, Alex has finished every single race. Congratulations. Like, like, I'm sure Alex would, would, would have his 17 straight finishes completely swapped for one um, one race win and the Peter Brock Trophy. So, like, yes, it's a great achievement. He did 17 finishes in a row, but I think we overspoke about that. <laughs> I'm very glad that that's ended. Hopefully this year it can be the year that they can go on and win the race. But, yeah, I just think the package that they're going to have at their disposal is not going to be good enough. One of the feel-good stories of this year has been Team 18 and specifically the number 18 car with Mark Winterbottom and Michael Caruso with Winterbottom breaking through for the team's first win up in Darwin. Um, Apart from that, though, it's been a a bit of a hot and cold season. Apart from that one breakthrough race victory, you described the season for Team 18 as solid but unspectacular. Winterbottom currently sitting in 12th position in the championship. Uh, Of course, he's a a former Bathurst winner with Stephen Richards. Um, I've got... Them, uh, him and Michael Caruso ranked in 16th position on my list. I've got him a little bit higher, uh, 13th for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... this is So, so Mark Winterbottom and Michael Caruso, fantastic combination. Both very experienced. They probably be, you have to be one of the most experienced uh, in, terms of, in terms of starts um, with, with 37 between them. Um, but, yeah, it's just going to come down to what Team 18 provide um, because the package over the last couple of rounds has not been great. And they had a big test before Sandown um, at the 500. Uh, sorry, at Winton before the 500, and they didn't they didn't do anything really in the race. Well, to be fair, uh, Winterbottom and Caruso were competitive in probably the first 60 laps of the race, but then they fell away, and then um, Winterbottom got a penalty for uh, I think it was a, a poor release from a pit stop. Um, so that that cost them dearly in the end. So look, the pace is. The pace can be there, but it's just going to be what what Team 18 delivers over the weekend. And we've seen before that Team 18 can deliver really, really well at Bathurst. Um, Winterbottom in the first round of the championship a couple of years ago was inside the top five for most of the weekend. So there's no doubt that Team 18 can deliver at the mountain when they need to. But there's also been years where they've really struggled, and last year was a good good. Um, good scenario with that where they both struggled to qualify and both of them at the start of the race um, ran into each other and pretty much ruined their days and then I think the year before that Scott Pye and James Golding were the first retirement through power steering issues so um, they've had some struggles recently at the, at the mountain and I think that's going to be their Achilles heel just what package they can have at the race well let's talk about the other team 18 car at the same time because it's next on the list car number 20 with Scott Pye and Warren Luff Scott Pye, another driver who's fighting for his full-time supercars career because at this stage it doesn't look like he's got a drive for season 2024. He'll be joined by Warren Luff who has an outstanding record at Mount Panorama and these drivers have finished on the podium second place uh, twice in a row, 2017 and 2018, albeit that was with Walkinshaw Racing, not with Team 18. So, uh, despite the fact that they both have had good results in the past, there are still some big question marks over the Team 18 package, and I've actually got them one place behind Winterbottom and Caruso in my rankings in 17th. 
Well, I've got them one place in front in mind, so I've got them 12th. Um, yeah. Purely because Scott Pye and, and um, Warren Luff and what they can do at the mountain. They finished twice, two times together. Um, so if there's, a, if there's a combination that can absolutely extract the full potential out of, out of a car and put in a good result, it's probably them. Um, they had some really rotten luck at Sandown where they put on the wrong set of tyres and were pretty much forced to do a whole stint on, on a dodgy set of tyres. So they would want to not create that same situation at Bathurst um, this year. Um, but yeah, I think I think if the package like Winterbottom and, and Caruso, if the package is good for them, if they can be really competitive out of the, out of the trucks, then um, yeah, absolutely these guys can be inside the top 10 and inside the top 6. Uh, Alright, so moving on to Premier Racing, car number 23 with Tim Slade and Jonathan Webb who was recruited to co-drive with Tim Slade after the team's original choice, Joey Mawson, wasn't able to fill that seat for a variety of reasons. First of all, he couldn't get a super licence and then there were some other issues with um, testing positive for banned substances a bit later on as well which ultimately put him out and it meant that Jonathan Webb slotted into the seat. Now, I think for both of us, Josie, before Sandown, you and I had quite low expectations for Jonathan Webb, given that he hadn't been doing a lot of full-time racing recently. But I think it's fair to say that he probably performed a bit better than we both expected. Um, in saying that, though, the, the form of Premier Racing has been patchy, I think, is how you would describe it throughout... 2023, I've got these guys ranked 18th on my list. Uh, 19th for me. So very similar. Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be the key, um, just what what Premier can do at the mountain. They've, they've perennially struggled at the mountain um, in, in obviously the current guys, which is Premier Racing, or obviously the previous scenario before that, which was Team Sydney, and then before that was Techno. Obviously 2016 aside. Um, but well, probably, probably, probably the era of Davison and, and Ben Gisberg, and they were successful. But then after that, they sort of started to decline. Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting combination because at, at Sandown they were really competitive. They qualified eleventh. They finished ninth. Jonathan Webb was pretty good. Um, he did what he needed to do. Gave the car back to Tim, and Tim finished the job off. And I have a feeling one of these two combinations. So Tim Slade and Jonathan Webb and, and um, James Golding and Dylan O'Keefe will get to them in just a second, but. I have a feeling one of these two combinations could absolutely put put uh, pull off a top ten finish or maybe even a top six finish. But yeah, I just there, there's just a couple of elements of doubt with me with this combination. One is Webb at the mountain, and the obviously the other one is um, what package they're going to provide when they get up to the mountain. Um, yeah, if if Webb's as competitive as he was at Sandown, then they can absolutely be inside the top ten. But I just don't. I think there's more combinations that are in front of them. So there are two combinations in the field that have got a couple of former Bathurst winners on board, and one of those is car number 25, the Walkinshaw Andretti United Mustang, with Chaz Mostert and Lee Holdsworth. And in fact, last time these two drivers teamed up, they won Bathurst with a dominant performance in 2021. The year started off fairly positively for the Walkinshaw Andretti United team with the, uh, the Gen 3 cars, and in fact, Mostert was leading the championship after Newcastle, but since then it's been um, a bit of a downward slope for them. Mostert currently sitting in position six in the championship, and the Walkinshaw team had an absolute shocker 
at Sandown. Again, in terms of the, the driver ability, you'd rate this car as, as one of the front-running combinations, but there are question marks over the form of the Fords, question marks over Walkinshaw and Andretti United's current form, particularly off the back of their Sandown performance. Um, where did you have this team ranked? Uh, sixth. Okay, I had them a couple of spots lower, eighth. Yeah, I, I think if the Ford package and WAU's previous form was better, I think we both would have had, had them in the top three. But um, I think the question mark about how competitive they're going to be um, is probably going to be what was put us put them down a little bit lower on the in the pecking order. Um, Chaz's form at Bathurst has been quite extraordinary. The last three years, he's finished second, first, and third, and obviously. There was that win in, in 2014, and, and you know when he comes to the mountain, he's he's one of the best drivers. He knows what he, what he needs to do to, to be really competitive, but it's just literally going to be, can WAU give him a car that's going to potentially give him a win, and can Ford, um, with the parity adjustments that might come their way, can they can they give them give them a, a chance to win the race? If, if all of that comes through, then yeah, I could see this, these guys are absolutely winning for the second time in three years, but I just there's just too many factors for me that 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 are out of their control that will put them in a good position to win. And there's a few other combinations in front of them that I I rate better, and I think that they will be more at the front than what Chaz. But I'll tell you what, if if Chaz has fresh tires, twenty laps to go, and everyone else is on ten to fifteen lap older tires. If that window opens up for him, watch him go because yeah. he will absolutely go on and win the race. Doesn't matter what car it's got under his um under under him. So um, they've just got to put themselves in the right position strategically, and if they can do that, then I think they're in with a really good shot. But I think probably the other key thing for that team is if they roll out, if they roll the car out of the truck at the start of the weekend and it's right in the window, a bit like it was in twenty twenty one and they can go on with it, that'll be their other big chance. 100%. Mm. If they're chasing the car all weekend, I think I think forget about it. Yeah. And we saw that at Sandown. They were chasing the car the whole weekend. Every time the, the commentator spoke to Lee, Lee was unhappy about the car. He said, this, it was doing this, it was doing that. We didn't like it. Chaz said exactly the same thing. If that happens at the mountain, with all due respect, I think you just put a line through them because if they're chasing the car and other combinations are not chasing their car and obviously... They probably have the Camaro rather than the Ford. It's just going to be almost impossible for them to, to overcome that margin and really be competitive on the Sunday afternoon. So that's one combination with two former Bathurst winners on board. The other combination is next on our list, car number 26 for Grove Racing with David Reynolds, winner in 2017 with Luke Yulden and Garth Tander, the five-time winner and the second most successful driver on the grid apart from Craig Lowndes. However... A DNF for these guys at Sandown with that wheel party company with the car, which is a shame because they actually looked pretty quick up to that point before that happened. Uh, certainly, it's a combination that has experience on its side and a couple of drivers who both put their best foot forward when they get to Bathurst. So, assuming they don't have the same sorts of issues that they have at Sandown, I think they will be one of the front running. Ford contenders. I've actually got them seventh on my list and second highest of the Fords. Uh, I've got them uh, fifth, and they are the highest of my Fords. Okay, there you go. Yep. So, so David Reynolds and Garth Tander at the mountain are, are quite extraordinary. Um, we've seen that before, and to me, 
So the success of Shane and Garth in the last three years has been Garth helping Shane immensely by putting that car in the in the window in terms of race pace. Mm-hmm. We saw that at Sandown that this combination was the best Ford package pretty much the whole weekend. If you looked at the times and you looked at qualifying, this this combination was the best Ford um, team, not by a long way, but they were certainly clear of, of um, Moffat and um, Cameron Waters who were second. So to me, this is the best chance Ford probably has of winning the, the, the 1,000. And um, yeah, Gartan in the first 50 laps is going to be yeah, quite key to see how, how and where they can be put into into the race. And yeah, if you give David Reynolds half a sniff of winning another Bathurst 1000, he's going to be all guns blazing to try and do it. So I, I've got the, I rate this combination really highly. And, and Groves at the mountains, probably a little bit of a question mark, but when you have the talented um, people behind the scenes that they do, who are either ex-WAU um um, engineers or ex Triple Eight engineers, those guys know how to win Bathurst. They've done it before, so they will know what they need to do to to put this car in the window. So I, I'm bullish about this combination. I think they are really, really strong. So I actually just realised that I jumped over car number nineteen, Matt Payne and Kevin Estra. So we'll get to them now. Um, Matt Payne lining up for his second start at Bathurst. He was the best performing of the rookies last year alongside Lee Holdsworth. Kevin Estra making his Bathurst 1000 debut, but not his Bathurst debut because he's raced in the 12-hour several times. And at Sandown, even despite the fact that, that was his first ever race in a supercar, he was one of the most impressive co-drivers right across the weekend. Yeah, I've this combination I rate highly, but... When I've done all the algorithms and all the all the calculations to rank them in terms of where I think they're going to be for the race, I've actually got them really, really low. I've actually got them 22nd. Oh, wow. I've got them 15th, <clears throat> so not quite as low as so, you. So, I mean, the, 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 fact, the first factor, obviously, is the Ford factor, and, and that's one of the reasons why I've sort of ranked them lower than a little bit. And I guess the other factor is um, this is Matt Payne's second Bathurst 1000. This is Kevin Estra's first. So... It's going to be hard for them to like Sandown's an easy easier track to to set up and put themselves in a window and those sort of things. Bathurst is a completely different track, so I think we need to temper the expectations of them. Despite the fact that they were really impressive at the Sandown 500, Bathurst is a completely different game. So I think we've got to be like, don't get me wrong, they can absolutely repeat what they did at Sandown and finish inside the top six and, and finish inside the top ten. But they had a fair few things going in their favour in, in this instance. Safety cars didn't become such an issue. So by the time Kevin Estra gave the car back to Matt Payne, Matt Payne was already fifth and sixth and really didn't have any trouble They staying. didn't have to double stack they, behind anyone. They didn't have to double stack. Route, so. yeah, exactly. They didn't have to double stack. They didn't have to have any pressure from anyone. Um, they sort of were able to do their own thing. Bathurst is going to be a little bit different this year. When you when you sort of have a safety car and you're su- suddenly in the pack and you've got Matt Payne in his second year against guys that are 5, 10, 15 years of experience and Kevin Escher in his first Bathurst 1000 with co-drivers with 5, 10, 15 years of experience who know Bathurst and we, we typically see that people get bashed around if they got little to no experience because people people know that they can do it and, and sort of intimidate them a little bit. So I'm just a little bit worried that the experience factor of these two might hurt them a little bit. But 
Um, they were really impressive at Sandown, and if they continue what they did at Sandown, then absolutely they can finish inside the top top ten. But as I said, I've just got them a little bit outside of the top ten. Yeah, some of our rankings for these might seem a bit harsh, but when you've got so many combinations that have all got their their individual strengths, we do have to rank them. <laughs> well, in the end, that means that some are going to finish lower well, than on, others. On that, I literally have between sixth and twenty sixth four ranking points between the combinations. So it gets to a point where you've got to rank. Mm. You've got to put some in, in between. So this isn't me saying one driver's completely better than the other or one combination's better than the other or a team's better than the other. At the end of the day, you just got to rank them. So yeah, like probably I have, in terms of um, teams, I probably have DJR a little bit down on what most people would have and I probably have WAU, WAU a little bit down on what others would have. And that's fine. You can absolutely argue with me. And if they prove to do really good performances, then absolutely come back to me and say, you were wrong. But at the end of the day, we've got to rank them. We've got to put them 1 to to 28. And that's the way I've been doing it. Yeah. And I think that's a reflection of the championship as well. Because what we've seen with Gen 3 this year is that with the introduction of more and more control components, the cars have got closer and closer together which means that the differences between being inside the top five and being outside the top 20 are smaller than they've ever been before. And I think that's reflected in our rankings and our predictions as well. On to the second of the Premier Racing Camaros now for James Golding and Dylan O'Keefe. James Golding currently sitting 15th in the championship. Dylan O'Keefe riding a wave of confidence after a great career cup round win at Sandown. Um, I've actually got them ranked higher than the other premier car of Tim Slade and um, Jonathan Webb. I've got them up in 14th position. One of the reasons for that is because they were very quick at Bathurst last year uh, in the premier car. They were running inside the top 10 for most of the race and probably would have finished inside the top 10 if they hadn't had to make an unscheduled pit stop to resolve an issue with the car. Yeah, it was a front splitter issue, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got them 16th. Um, so I've got them higher than Slade and Webb, but not as high as what you've got them. Um, yeah, James Golding last year out of the box was really quick in that car. So um, you'd think that if the same situation aligned, then they'd be quick quick once again. So, excuse me. I think, they, I think they're really competitive. They can do a really good job. Um, top 10 would absolutely be their aim. Um, any higher, I think, would be an absolute bonus. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Um, Dylan would want to improve on his first stint when um, when he was with um, with um, Premier at um, the Sandown 500 because he really struggled um, in that first stint. And while James was able to put the, the combination back up, I think it was 14th that they finished. Uh, yeah, 15th. 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 Yeah. Um, while he was able to put them back inside the top 15, <coughs> their race was pretty much done and dusted when Dylan had the, that had his issues in the first 20 laps. So that's going to be the key. Minimise the mistakes. Make sure you put yourselves in the right window. And um, yeah, James Golding's quick at Bathurst. So if you can give him a car that's that's capable of putting off pulling off a good result and um, he's competitive with 30 laps to go, then this combination can be definitely inside the top 10. On to the Matt Stone Racing Camaros now, starting with the number 34 entry of Jack LeBrock and Jaden O'Jada. LeBrock, another driver who broke through for the team's first win this year in Darwin. And apart from the Erebus drivers, you would have to say that he's probably the one who's exceeded our pre-season expectations the most out of anyone and it has earned him a drive with Erebus 
for 2024. Qualifying in particular has been a big strength of Jack LeBrock, but he's been decent in the races as well. Currently sits in eighth position in the championship. That's the good news. The bad news is that there are a few question marks surrounding the form of Matt Stone racing when it comes to endurance races. Uh, particularly when it comes to long-run race pace, while LeBrock's been impressive in qualifying and he got that win in the sprint race in Darwin, over the longer races, the him and the car, whether it's not looking after the tyres as well or some other factor, they haven't quite had the race pace as some of their rivals, but the, the biggest Achilles heel for me with Matt Stone racing is pit stops. They've had some terrible pit stops this year. Uh, we saw the sister car, Cameron Hill, um, has lost out on some really good results throughout the year due to poor pit stops and at Sandown it was a double blow because the Brock Ojeda car had to double stack behind the Hill Robotham car under that first safety car. Slow pit stop for Hill and Robotham also cost Brock and Ojeda and resulted ultimately in both cars finishing well down the order. And so with all of those factors in mind I've actually got this combination ranks down in 19th. I've got them ninth. Uh, sorry, not ninth, tenth. Uh, sorry, I, I had Bryce Ford in ninth. Um, so you Kevin. haven't been quite as harsh as I have on the the pit stops. Well, I, the, I think you've summed yeah. it up perfectly. Yeah. So I, I think you've summed it up really, really well, where the, the car's been quick all year, Jack's been quick all year, Jane's been really quick all year. I mean, he won the six-hour earlier this year, and if you look at the six-hour form now, it, it actually stacks up really well. Look at Cameron Hill the year beforehand. He's now in supercars. Jaden Ojeda's um, put himself into a position. He probably he probably won't get into supercars full time next year, but he's put himself into a position to be really competitive. Um, yeah, the the big worry is a their reliability, whether they can get through the full 161 laps, or b whether they can sort out all their pit stops and, and sort it out. But I, I just think they might be able to do it this year. I, I think. Sometimes you need to break your, your moulds and break your, your runs of bad luck, and I think this year might be the year that they actually do it. But this combination can absolutely be inside the top 10 if they can sort out their reliability issues and their pit lane issues. The other Matt Stone racing combination is the number 35 car with Cam Hill and Jay Robotham. Cam having his rookie season in supercars this year after previously impressing in support categories like Carrera Cup, Formula Ford and the Toyota 86 Series. He's currently 25th and last of the full-time drivers, but I don't really think that's a fair reflection on his rookie season because he has actually had some pretty good qualifying performances and race results. The, the DNF that he and Jalen Robotham had at Sandown because of that late steering failure uh, was a, a costly blow in terms of the championship situation uh, and probably that's that's one of the concerns in addition to the the pit stop drums that i've already talked about with this combination Jalen robotham for what it's worth he, he did better than i expected at sandown he was probably one of the, the co-drivers that i might have rated a bit lower because of his lack of experience but at sandown he was running comfortably inside the top 10 with some good race pace before that that pit stop issue buried that car in the field uh however um the, the rankings don't lie, and uh, I do have them 23rd in the rankings. Oh, I've got them a lot higher than that. I've got them actually 14th. Oh, so wow. Sa- okay. same, yep. same factor as before. I, I think MSR has been really strong all year. So the Camaro has been strong for them. The package has been strong for them. Cam Hill has been a real surprise packet in terms of putting out good performances. His consistency has not been great, but you don't need consistency at Bathurst. 
You just need a good car, good performance, and a good co-driver, and away you go. Jalen Robotham did really well last year um, with Matt Charter, finished 18th. So the form line's there. If they, They've only got to finish a couple of positions higher, and they basically match what they did last year. And I think with the car that they've got, they can certainly do it. The issue again, and we, we went back to the to the 34 car on this, is the reliability and the pit lane issues. If they can solve both of those, then absolutely. I think a, a top 15 place could certainly happen. We'll keep our fingers crossed for them. In car number 55, uh, moving into the, the second pair of Tickford Mustangs, Thomas Randall and Gary Jacobson. Jacobson back on the supercars scene after losing his full-time drive last year. Uh, Thomas Randall has uh, had a few impressive performances this year, particularly at the Ben Motorsport Park, where he finished all three races on the podium. However, it's been a pretty inconsistent season for him, and uh, his Bathurst form, to be fair, hasn't been great. Uh, We talked before about the mistake that he made when he was driving with James Courtney a few years ago, and then last year, admittedly through no fault of his own because he wasn't in the car, but first retirement alongside Zach Best in that crash on Mountain Straight. Uh, I've got them ranked 20th. A- again, a few question marks over Tickford this year as well. I've got them 17th. Yeah. So I've got them around the same mark as you. Uh, just quickly, really good to see Gary Jacobson back. Um, he's actually not. He actually lives not too far away from, well, probably three hours away from where we are. But in, uh, he's a Shepherd and boy, so uh, nice to see him back on the on the on the um, one thousand uh, co-driver bill. Um, yeah, it was really unlucky how it all ended with him. So it's really nice to see him back. Um, when I mentioned with Bryce Forward and Dean Fiore before, how these guys could be a genuine smoky and do something on the day. This is another combination that could absolutely do something. Um, Thomas Randall has been very, very good this year. He's obviously had the podium success that he had at the bend. The, the question here is, A, the car. Um, obviously, it's a Ford. It's Tickford. Can they deliver and, and provide um, a good package for those two to, to be successful? And the other one is, yeah, just the bad luck and unreliability that, that um, Thomas Randall's had. Um, at the mountain uh, a couple of years ago he, he made a mistake at, in turn one brought out the safety car put him and James Courtney down a lap and then obviously last year um, yeah through no fault of his own I, it was funny I thought I thought you were about to blame him for that I'm like well he wasn't in the car for heaven's sake um, but yeah through no fault of his own their day was done in the in the first pretty much yeah 30 seconds of the race so you kind of you kind of hope they get up mountain straight and get into Griffin's Bend and away they go um, but yeah, look, uh, th- these guys can absolutely do um, some great things over the weekend. Top ten is certainly now not out of the question. Neither is a top six if they can um, if they can um, get everything going their way. I will I will say one thing though: if it is wet in the first fifty laps, if Gary Jacobson's in the car, watch out for these guys because Gary is very good in the wet um, mm. in, in terms of those conditions. So yeah, in twenty seventeen, last time it was a wet race when he was with Jason Bright, he was. One yep. of the better co-drivers. And so, there was a yeah. stint in, on the Gold Coast that he had uh, in the wet conditions, which was extraordinary. Um, and same with Andre Humpgarner, I think, in that race as well. But anyway, I digress. This combination can do really well, but I just think there's a couple of factors that are um, are bringing too many question marks for me, and I think that's why I've got them um, in, in the position that I have, which is 7-8. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, the fourth of the Tickford cars is car number 56 for Declan Fraser and Tyler Everingham. 
It'll be Declan Fraser's second start at Bathurst. Last year he drove the Triple Eight run wildcard entry with Craig Lowndes. Actually finished up pretty well in eighth position. However, I think when you look at the overall form, you would have to say that he's probably been the least impressive of the three rookies this year, especially when you consider that he won the Super 2 Series last year and had it not been for the DNF for Cam Hill at Sandown, he would have been languishing last in the points. The other thing as well, and obviously it's not going to be an issue for Tickford next year because they're scaling back to two cars, but we've seen in the past that the fourth Tickford car in particular... <laughs> doesn't generally go all that well. So no. um, when you combine all of those factors, I've got Declan Fraser and Tyler Everingham ranked 24th on my list. Yeah, um, it's hard because if you look at De- uh, Declan's situation, he's in the fourth best car at the, at the team. Or he's, he's, he's one of four drivers in the team, so they're basically stretching their resources to four, four cars. If you look at Cameron Hill, Cameron Hill's in a Camaro, so... He's had an advantage there, clearly, with, with the parity issues. And then, obviously, Matt Payne is probably in a, in, in a situation a little bit better than Declan at, at Grove Racing. That takes nothing away from what the other two have done and probably takes nothing away what, from what Declan has done in terms of performances himself. But you've probably got to factor that in a little bit. But, yeah, he probably would have liked a lot better um, results than, than what's come out um, this year. If if we go through the Sandown 500 results and if you want... if you pinned me down and said, what was your 10 out of 10 performance from a combination at this event? This combination would have been it. They finished 13th. They kept their noses out of trouble through the whole race. They did really, really well and pulled off a result that was, I think, Declan's best result of the year. So they really impressed me um, at Sandown, but obviously Bathurst is a completely different beast and um, it's going to be interesting to see how they go there. But um, if they provide the same performance that they did at Sandown, then absolutely a top 15 position is not out of the question. Because if they keep their noses out of trouble and everyone else um, everyone else around them makes mistakes, well, they'll, they'll capitalise on it and be able to uh, work their way uh, closer to the front. Um, I've got them 26th um, in, in, in my rankings, um, but there's no, there's no doubt if they keep their... their um, if they keep themselves out of trouble, then they can certainly finish inside the top 15. Getting into some heavy hitters now. So the first of our triple eight cars, car 88 with Brock Feeney and Jamie Wincup. The winners of the Sandown 500, Brock Feeney has taken some big strides forward in his second full-time season. Currently third in the championship, he's established himself as a genuine title contender. Both he and Wincup were super impressive in the Sandown 500, and there's no doubt that they'll head to Mount Panorama as one of the favourites. Not the absolute favourite, though, for my reckoning. I've got them ranked second. I think there's one combination that ranks just slightly higher. I have them second as well. So (laughs) when I did my rankings, I had this combination and another combination uh, locked away on the same amount of points um, or same amount of um, ratings points. So... Um, yeah, it's almost neck and neck between my first and second favourite. Um, yeah, these guys were impressive at, at, at the Sandown 500. And um, that, to me, they're going to be the leading Triple Eight contender up there, which is staggering to say, given that um, Shane Van Gisbergen is still uh, part of Triple Eight for another couple of rounds. But um, Brock's performances over the last 12 months have been incredible. And it's funny to think that 12 months ago, 
Jamie Winkup qualified the car because there were doubts about Brock qualifying the car. There's going to be no doubts about who qualifies this car on um, on Saturday after or Friday afternoon into, into Saturday afternoon with the top 10 shootout. Brock's going to have his hands on that car and will be qualifying the car. And I think that's fine. I think that's perfect now because Jamie can do his, his role, do his 54 laps, hand it back to Brock, and away they go. And we saw at um, Sandown that Jamie Winkup was the best co-driver. His form in in that in those stints was the best out of everyone. So if the car's great, which you'd expect it to be, given it's a triple eight, if Jamie's going to be quick again, which you'd expect it to be, and Brock's going to be uh, quick, which you'd expect him to be. And let's not forget that in his previous couple of editions, we've seen some quickness out of Brock Feeney. There was that year where he was part of the wild card where he just, he was going really, really well and was on track for top 10 before he made a mistake. Those mistakes are just inexperience. You think that those mistakes are probably out of his system now, and we just saw a sand down. You can put any amount of pressure on him. He handled it perfectly and was able to go on and win the race. So to me, this is this is absolutely a massive contender, and um, I think these guys will be there or thereabouts. The one one question mark that I do have is that for Jamie Winkup, it's been 11 years since he's won a race, and it's been 10 years since he's been on a podium. So him and Bathurst don't really mix well, even though he's a four-time champion there that's going to be the question mark but he's only going to do 54 laps and then the car's handed back to brock so as long as jamie just does his 54 laps hands it back to brock then who knows where that could be at the end of the day yeah i mean we could go through the whole list of dramas that we had over the years at bathurst from running out of fuel to uh to crashing out at the cutting while he was battling against Brody kostecki a few years ago but um at Sandown, he really stood up and, and showed why he's a seven-time champion in the sport with the, the perfect balance of speed and tyre preservation. Car number 96 for Brad Jones Racing will be driven by McCauley Jones and Jordan Boys. McCauley Jones, another underwhelming season to be frank, currently 21st in the championship. Um, I think in our season preview, we talked about you know, you want to be seeing from drivers some progression and some improvement. Um, I don't think we've seen that from McCauley this year, and his results certainly don't indicate that he's really taken any significant step forward since last year. Um, Jordan Boys, the, the worry for me with him is that he hasn't been doing a lot of full-time racing in any other category this year. Uh, at Sandown... They were fairly anonymous throughout the race. They ended up finishing in 19th position, and uh, I've got them ranked uh, 25th in my rankings. Uh, 24th for me. So very similar. Yeah, I think you summed up McCauley perfectly. I think, yeah, you want to see natural progression. And you can probably add Jack Smith to this as well. You want to see the natural progression from both of them, that they're improving and they're getting the results. But it just hasn't happened for, for both of those. So you've got to seriously start got to seriously start to consider just what their future is going to be in the sport. But obviously for, for McCauley, his father owns the team. So as long as that situation continues to be the case and as long as... Brad's happy for McCauley to be in the car with him. That would be the same. And obviously, SCT Logistics, which is Jack Smith's father's business, um, they keep on funding Jack Smith. So as long as that keeps on happening and everyone's happy with all of that, then that will continue as well. But um, the unfortunate part is you just can't see where this combination is going to be successful at all. And that's the that's the real shame about it. I think they're just going to be yeah trying to circulate to get a result. And um, 
the, the, the performances for Macaulay Jones in the last few years has actually been pretty good. Um, he's finished inside the top 15, I think, three times in the last four. So the performances are there to get a decent result, but you just don't think that they're going to be in any contention to finish inside the top 10 or the top five. No, so that's our frank and honest verdict for car number 96. Car number 97, Shane Van Gisbergen and Richie Stanaway, SVG. He's gone at the end of this year. This may be... His last chance to win Bathurst for the foreseeable future. There's been a bit of criticism levelled at him uh, this year for his off-track attitude and a few errors that he's made on the track as well. But he's still won four races. He's still second in the championship. And another interesting side note to this, some people are saying that he's checked out and, and his head's not really in the game at the moment. But... As we record this podcast, he is about to be competing in the Logitech G Pro Invitational Supercars A-Series Bathurst 1000, which some of the the full-time drivers use as mental preparation for the real-life race. All I can say is that if Van Gisbergen wasn't serious about having a a red-hot crack at winning Bathurst, he would not be bothering to to compete in an online virtual version of the Bathurst 1000. So I think the determination and the competitive drive is still absolutely there. Uh, Richie Stanaway, he'll be back on the full-time grid next year driving with Grove Racing, but gets to team up with his good mate SVG. Um, He he did a good job at at Sandown after a poor qualifying. He, He was pushing up through the field before Van Gisbergen charged home at the end. And I do think they will definitely be in contention at the 1,000, but I've just got them ranked slightly lower than a couple of other combinations. I've got them third in my rankings. So I've got them fourth. I think you had uh, Will Brown and Jack Perkins fourth, and I yep. have Shane Van Gisbergen and Richie Stanaway in um, fourth rather than third. And to be honest, I had them and Will Brown and Jack Perkins on exactly the same score. So literally, I just put one combination over the other. Yep. Um, it, this is a tough combination to, to really dissect and go, hey, what, what do we really think of this? Because if you, if you take away everything, um, if, you just, if you just judge the combination on the combination, on Triple Eight, on the Camaro... You'd have them favourite. And to be honest, they are the favourites with the bookies right now. So you'd have them as the favourites and probably not overwhelming favourites, but you'd have them ahead of everyone else. The issue here is Shane's run this year hasn't been as great as the previous two years. And I just felt that the edge that he's had over the other competitors and the and the things that have been his advantage in the last two years have been his disadvantage this year. So... When, when when we look at his performances throughout the year, he could qualify wherever and still go on and win the race. But he hasn't been able to do that this year. Very rarely has he been able to qualify 8th, ninth, 10th and come in and win the race. And we saw that at Sandown. If, with the way that they qualified, most people last year or the year before would have gone, shame a win in a canter. It doesn't matter if he qualifies 25th. But... Shane's struggling to get past these drivers because the competition's increased and the Gen 3 scenario has allowed everyone else to catch up. The biggest issue that Shane... And the other issue, obviously, is what, what attitude are we going to get from Shane at this event? Are we going to get one where he's committed and wants to win a Bathurst 1000? Or are we going to get one where he really doesn't care and he will only turn up on Sunday to race and if he finishes third, what do you do? Um, that's going to be 
the, the big factor and all this. The other factor as well, and we saw that a little bit in um, in Sandown, is that with all due respect to Stanaway, the, 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 the comparison between Stanaway and Tanda, there's clearly a difference. So Stanaway's a great driver and he's a fantastic driver, but he's just not on the same level as what Tanda is and was to, to Shane. So in the last couple of years, Garth was able to help Shane develop the car, sort out the car and get into perfect race trim. Tan is also a four-time Bathurst 1000 winner until he won his fifth last year. Stanaway hasn't done that. And I don't even think Stanaway's been on the podium before at the 1000. No. So what, while hasn't you... Hasn't made in the top 10. Exactly. Long, so while yeah. you've got the situation where, yes, Stanaway is a very good driver, you just don't have the comparison between him and Tanda. Tanda is far and away a better driver and a better situ- a better person to have in your team to set up the car and I just worry that if him if Richie and Shane have issues at the start of the weekend and that car's not in the window that they want and Shane gets frustrated and doesn't like what's going on their whole weekend could be done before we even get to Sunday because they're just not going to get the car in the window so I do worry about all of that but at the end of the day Richie's probably in the top three or four co-drivers in 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 the field Shane's obviously depending on where you sit, it changes either first, second, third, or fourth in terms of the main game drivers. So, And we know what Triple Eight's capable of doing at the mountains. So these guys are certainly going to be there or thereabouts. But <clears throat> as we saw at Sandown, if they are behind Brock Feeney and Jamie Winkup, they're going to have to deal with double stacking. They're going to have to deal with a bunch of other factors that will put Brock Feeney and Jamie Winkup in a far better position. So I just, I just see there's a few factors that are going to hurt them. And... Defending champions struggle to go on and win Bathurst. Mm. So obviously Gartanda for for Grove Racing and obviously Shane Van Gisbergen for for Triple Eight and ninety seven. Defending champions have struggled to go on and win win the title again. Yeah, and even you know David Reynolds and Luke Yulden as well. I, I, I won in twenty seventeen. I think the last I couldn't get it done in twenty. I don't know what I can't remember off the top of my head who the last Lance and Wink Cup. Yeah, Lance and Wink Cup, yeah. which was under the era where you could put your best two drivers together. So it's really hard in this era to go on back to back to back. And even in the era that we saw with Garth and um, with Garth and Shane together, they end up finishing eighteenth in the year that they went and try to defend their title. So because Chaz and Lee were the best combination that weekend, mm-hmm. so it's very hard to. to to do to go the well and do it again and and go back to back and yeah I just I there's just too many factors that put me um that have a lot of question marks for me with this combination right three combinations to go in our analysis and uh, we get to the final one of our wild card entries now which is the number ninety eight DJR Mustang with Simona D Silvestro and Kai Allen um, and uh, Simona coming back to the mountain. Kai Allen on debut. Yeah, a fantastic opportunity for Kai Allen to um, have his first crack at the the Bathurst 1000, and obviously Simone comes back after a, a couple of years out. I think she's a Porsche Porsche driver for the Formula E team. So um, yeah, great to see both of them return. Uh, the the thing is though, this combination is it's a wild card. It's gonna ha- it's gonna find things tough because it's the third DJR car. Um, they're going to be sharing the peak boom, I believe, with Aaron Love and... I believe so. Also, I should mention that they're actually the second last of the wild cars. There's one more wild car that we have to get oh, to. That is that yes. is very, <laughs> very fair point. Um, 
What I would love to see in this combination is Kai Allen be given the responsibility as the main main driver and for Simona to be the co-driver. This is in no disrespect to Simona or anything to do with her ability, but Kai is the future of that DJR team. He's um, clearly being groomed by that team from when Will Davison retires or, or Anton Dietrich moves on. So, e- exactly. Yeah. So throw him in the deep end, throw him throw him down the, the cauldron and give him a chance and a, and a crack to see how he goes. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I think, I think Kai Allen is one of those, one of those kids that has probably got the same billing as um, Brock Feeney when he was starting to rise up the ranks, that everyone knew who this kid was. They, they know that he's got some talent with him. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. I've got them 27th. I don't have them um, rated that highly. But again, the, the the situation for them is not to win the race. The situation is for them to circulate, get some experience, race in the 1,000 in, in terms of Kai Allen for the first time and go on and um, learn a lot and hopefully finish inside the top 15 and get a good result out of it. Yeah, so I've got the ranks 26th, so very similar sort of zone to where you've got them ranked. Uh, all right, card number 99 for Erebus Motorsport. It's our championship leader, Brody Kostecki. Um, and he'll be joined by David Russell. They've been on the podium together before in 2021. Uh, obviously, Brody Kostecki's having by far the best season of his career leading the championship. He's had some dominant performances this year and uh, really put himself in a commanding position in the title race with a few rounds to go. And David Russell, one of the, the more experienced co-drivers in the field, but... Um, uh, driving as well as he ever has and at Sandown he was one of the standout co-drivers because after they lost some time with uh, double stacking behind the sister Erebus car he was one of the quickest co-drivers on the track and was able to make up a lot of the, the spots that they lost before he handed the car back over to Kostecki for the run home um, so with all of that in mind and particularly when you consider that Kostecki has been very good at at managing the race in terms of uh, making the tyres last over a stint and uh, from what I've heard he's also extremely good when it comes to car setup which is probably one of the reasons that Erebus have done such a good job with these Gen 3 cars uh, I've got them ranked first they're my, my number one pick numero uno for me as well yep. um, yeah this is Brody and David's best chance to win win Bathurst. If you look at the last three years for, for Brody, um, he's probably been the best driver, not with the best car at the one thousand. So when you when you take that on board and you and you add to that that they've got the probably the best car this year, that's that's a scary proposition. Um, if you look at Sandown as well, the best car in the last sixty laps was the Brody car. Brody tuned that car to perfection to get it into the right window. Whether or not he played the the right cards to win the race, well, you can argue on that. But at the end of the day, he put himself in a far better position to go on to win the championship by not winning the Sandown 500 or by not trying to push that that envelope. Um, The other thing that's in their favour is not many teams actually had a test session in between the Sandown 500 and the Bathurst 1000. Erebus did. Mm, yep. Erebus have been able to put their drivers in the car for the whole day. Um, a couple of weeks ago, oh no, not a couple of weeks ago, about a week ago at Winton, um, it gave David and Jack the opportunity to to further get more experience in that car, to run through things that they may want to want to have improved on from Sandown, and basically give give the team a day to to sort of 
iron out a lot of things that might have gone wrong at Sandown that they can hopefully rectify in Bathurst. Um, to me, this is the combination to beat. Um, if you if you if I'm forming a market, this is my number one com- combination. I just think everything in terms of the everything for them. <clears throat> He's been set up to win Bathurst, and we know what Brody's like at the mountain. He is um, he is very good at the mountain. Um, it's probably him and Chaz and maybe Shane and obviously Cameron Waters. They're the four that that when it comes to the mountain, they are they are almost a league above. Mm. Um, in the last three years, as I said, Brody hasn't had the car compared to those other three. Now he's got that car, so. I, I rate this combination highly. I think they are the favourites, and um, yeah, it would not surprise me if uh, Brody went on to win this race. The only the only two factors that are question marks is one, the championship, whether yep. that plays into mind. But yep. we also know that Brody's not going to be in the series forever. He's one day going to go off to NASCAR. This may be one of one of one or two more chances that he has to win Bathurst. So he may go. Stuff it! I'm gonna go and have a crack at this because I may not, I may not get one more, I may not get another opportunity like this to go and win the Bathurst 1000. So I think that's not going to play too much of a part. The other factor, obviously, is Erebus and and their reliability and their their mistakes that they can sometimes make in pit stops. But we've seen this year that they have been at their best and at their main, at their A game throughout the whole year and um, pretty much. They've been faultless all year with, with the way that they've executed Gen 3, the way that the two drivers have taken everything on board and the way that they've gone about their season. And if you look at what Brody's done since he went overseas to compete in NASCAR, he had four, he's had four races since then. His four results have been first, 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 and second at the yep. Santa 500, where it really could have been first. Mm. He is at the top of his game. And if that car is in the right window, which we all know it probably will be, um, they are going to be very hard to beat. Yeah, and just to come back to the point that you made about the test day before Bathurst. So Erebus tested before both Sandown and Bathurst, whereas a lot of the other teams had used up their test days earlier in the year because they were trying to develop their Gen 3 cars. But in what can only be described as a massive confidence play for the Erebus team, Earlier in the year, they went, you know what? We've got fast cars. We don't need to use up our test days now. Let's save them up till later in the year. Make sure our co-drivers get plenty of seat time in our cars so that we've got the best possible chance of winning the endurance races. So that's definitely another factor that really counts in this team's favour. I do agree with you on the vulnerabilities. There's no such thing as a perfect combination. And if it does come down to that situation of having to think about the championship, will that play on Brody Kostecki's mind? And also the fact that they've got two strong cars, the the double stacking scenario as well, it it bit them at, at Sandown. And it could be that if Will Brown qualifies well again and you get an early safety car, that that could be another factor as well. But... Hey, we're, we're nitpicking here. We're, we're, yeah. I mean, if you're criticising a team and saying, saying that the fact that their driver's leading the championship is a disadvantage, then you're really clutching at straws, and, aren't you? And have we seen <laughs> have we seen in the last 10 years, when a driver's going for the championship, have we seen them go, ah, you know what, I'm going to be conservative today because I'm, I'm thinking about the championship? No. The no, only I'm... time you really see that is if they have issues early in the race yeah. and then they have to, to think about getting as many points back as they can by salvaging a result. But if they're up the front and they've got a chance of winning, 
No way are they going to be concerned. And, and Brody's lead over Shane is about 150 points. So the reality is Brody can make a mistake or two. And as long as he finishes in round about the top 15, he's not going to lose the championship lead anyway. So I, I don't see that being an issue. And I, and I think when if you're up 159 and you, you can make a move on Brock Feeney, Shane Van Gisbergen, or even your teammate Will Brown to win the Bathurst 1000, I don't think you're saying no. I think you're making the move. So I, I think Brody will do it. Right, last car in the field. It's the final one of our wildcard entries as well. Car number triple eight for Craig Lowndes and Zane Goddard, who's out for redemption after the, the rather embarrassing crash that took him and James Courtney out of the race early last year. In fact, Zane Goddard's yet to finish Bathurst. He's had no finishes from three starts. Uh, Craig Lowndes, conversely, the most successful driver on the grid with seven Bathurst victories, and uh, Lowndes and uh, Declan Fraser finished in the top 10 last year. I actually think this car's half a chance for a decent result with the, the experience of Lowndes at Bathurst combined with the, the desire for redemption for Zane Goddard. Um, I think they're certainly capable of, of achieving a very strong result. They finished in the top 10 at Sandown, and uh, in my rankings, I've got them uh, just outside the top 10. I've got them 11th. Wow, we finished the podcast and we have them in exactly the same spot. I have them at 11th. There you go. So we have, I think we had a couple that are right on in terms of exactly the same spot. Um, yeah, I agree with everything that, you, that you've said. And the, the thing with the um, triple, triple eight wildcard is if you look at the last three wildcards. So um, is that three? Might be two. Uh, so there was the... Brock Ingle Feeney one. Yeah, so Ingle Feeney, Lowndes and Declan, and this is the third one this year. Yeah, you, I mean, you could go back, obviously, to the Andy Prio, Matthias Ekstrom, yeah. Xbox car in I, 2013 I'm as more, well. I'm more mm. looking at the super cheap scenario. Yep. But if you if you look at the, the last two years of the wildcard, both those combinations have been on track for top 10 finishes. Brock and Fe- even if you go back to Preo and Extrem, they were in the top 10. Yeah, well, well they, they, yeah. they were on track to win the race at one stage. They were going so good. So mm. um, there's no doubt that this combination could certainly do a top 10. But yeah, the, the, the question the question mark clearly here is going to be what Zane can do and whether he can absolutely get the redemption that he's after, um, given what happened last year. Um, the interesting part about Sandown, excuse me, was that Craig Lowndes was actually the main driver for the combination and Zane wasn't. So Zane qualified the car, but then Lowndes did all the all the laps and Zane did the minimum requirement. So I'm wondering if they're going to do a similar thing at Bathurst. Because if I think they if if they do, I think they're more of a chance of being inside the top ten than if Zane's doing the majority of the work and Craig is only doing the couple of stints. So it'd be interesting to see how they sort of go about doing it because Craig was quick at Sandown. I I I mean, it should not should should not surprise us how quick Craig Lowndes is, but it is age and his experience now. To me, that was a little bit of a surprise that he could go out of the car for so long, being in that car pretty much for the first time in a race stream. We're talking and about someone who turns fifty next year. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and he's still got two more years um, as part of Triple Eight. I just wonder. <clears throat> I just wonder because obviously Stanaway's gone. Um, and then obviously he's still got Wink up there, but I just wonder if Wink, if, if Lowndes does a really good performance in in this event, do you, do you te- 
potentially lure him into the Triple Eights uh, um, team and maybe match him up with um, Will Brown next year because, I mean, A, that comic should be electric. Those two would get along like a house on fire. Mm. But Craig's proven that he's still got the pace to be as competitive as some of the others. And and it would be good, wouldn't it, to say Craig Lowndes win Bathurst one more time, or wouldn't it? Or be given yeah. an opportunity yeah. to legitimately win the the, the, mm. the, the the title one more time because, let's be honest, this, com- this combination's not going to win Bathurst. No. But they can certainly finish inside the top 10 or even the top 6. But, yeah, you just love that... If there's one more opportunity for Craig to get a crack at, at winning his eighth Bathurst, you just hope that he gets that opportunity. But anyway, I digress. I, I think this combination is certainly capable of a top 10 finish. And um, yeah, I think that's that's what they'll, they'll be aiming for and um, more than likely they'll probably get. So that's a comprehensive and in-depth depth analysis of all 28 cars in the field. So let's wrap things up with our fearless predictions. So we've already sort of covered off to our, our top three uh, predictions are and it's very similar for both of us so we've both tipped car number 99 Brody Kostecki and David Russell for the race victory and we've both tipped Brock Feeney and Jamie Wincup to come second um, and then I think third place you've got Will Brown and Jack Perkins and I've got Shane Van Gisbergen and Richie Stanaway. Yeah well 12 months ago I predicted Brock Feeney and Jamie Wincup I was just 12 months too uh, too early to the party on that one but um yeah, I, I, I think Erebus and Triple Eight are, are the two best combinate or two best teams uh, this year, and um, I, I particularly if the Camaro is stronger than the Ford, um, and and that that continue, that that form line continues, I just can't see the, the the top four sort of changing. But look, I think. I think David Reynolds and um, Gartana are certainly a shot at being on the podium. Same with Chaz Mostert and Lee Holdsworth and obviously Cameron Waters and um, and James Moffat. And don't don't rule out um, Andre Heimgartner and Dale Wood if, if their day goes to plan as well. Dark horse for you? Um, um, I think David Reynolds and Gartander. I, I think... I, I it, In terms of dark, dark horses, ones that are like big shots to win. I probably have Bryce Ford and Dean Fiore, but um, in terms of ones that are probably the sixth or seventh or eighth or ninth best combination to, to potentially go on and win the race, yeah, I think Gartander and um, Dave Reynolds. So for my dark horse, um, I'm going to go James Courtney and Zach Best. Okay. For my one. Three rookies in the Bathurst 1000 this year. So we've got Kevin Estra, Aaron Love, and Kai Allen. Uh, who did you tip to be the best performing rookie? Well, Kevin Estra's co-driver last year... Uh, Kevin Estra's co-driver, Matt Payne, uh, last year won the, the rookie of the of the, of the the Bathurst 1000. So uh, why not have the same team winning it two years in a row and um, Kevin Estra and Matt Payne will be the, the combination to beat on that one? Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think that... Uh, with that being a full-time entry and the other two rookies being in wild cards. I think that that's a fairly logical prediction. Speaking of wild cards, which card do you think will be the best performing of the wild cards? Uh, I think it's pretty easy. I think Craig Lowndes and Zane Goddard. All right, which do you think... I, I agree with you, by the way. Which do you think will be the second best performing of the wild cards? That that might be slightly trickier. Uh, I think Kai Allen and Simona Di Silvestro. I think that, that combination will be ahead of... Um, Aaron Love and um, Jake Kosecki. Uh And finally, first retirement. Who will be, which car will be the first one out of the race? 
That's a hard one. It's always hard, isn't it, to predict that? Yeah, and you kind of don't think any of us would have predicted that Reynolds and um, Tan would have been the first retirement from Sandown. No, no, or Randall and um, Best from Bathurst last year. Um, And you kind of don't want to throw a combination um, under the bus and say that they're going to be the first retirement. Um, Um... Oh, I'll just go one of the DJRs to be um, sad and mean. So I'll just go... Um, I will go Will Davison and Alex Davison. <laughs> so Alex Davison will go from finishing 17 races in a row to two DNFs in succession and first retirement. Yeah, harsh. Um, I suppose I'll have to, to pick one now as well. No, hi. McCauley Jones and Jordan Boys. Mine. All right, well, uh, I think that wraps up things for our Checkered Flag Chat Bathurst Preview podcast. It's going to be a, a fantastic and unpredictable edition of the 2023 Great Race. So whether you're trackside at Mount Panorama or tuning in on the couch at home on TV, hope you enjoy it.